Hey guys, this is an unplanned podcast episode and we're not putting it on the website or uh, promoting it heavily on social media. I just had a, a live stream conversation with Dr. Steve Gershevich from Key Ministry and it was such a timely conversation around mental health, around the coronavirus quarantine. And, and I think this is an important conversation for anyone. Uh, we talk a lot about some of the technology you could be using, but really how you can minister to your congregation right now, uh, how you can minister to your pastor right now, uh, how you can be prepared for the after effects of quarantine time and, and what this means. There's so many trickle down effects of this time of quarantine. And, uh, and, and Dr. Gershevich shares so much wisdom in this, in this live stream. So I wanted to share it here with you on the podcast. So listen in. All right, and we are live uh, today. I have a special guest on our live stream, uh, Dr. Steve Gershevich. Um, we're talking about mental health today. Uh, Steve, will you introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your background and what it is you do? Sure, absolutely, Nils. Well, by training, I am a physician and a child and adolescent psychiatrist. So for about the last 30 years, I've been involved with private practice. I teach at a couple of different medical schools. Had it been involved with some research where we we're looking at like safety and side effect issues of a lot of the commonly prescribed medications for kids and teens with mental health issues. And more importantly, I guess, for the last 17 years, I've been involved with leading an organization called Key Ministry, where we work with churches around the country and around the world to help them welcome and include families of kids with all types of disability. So, so you wear a number of hats, uh, and, and you. you and I have gotten to know each other uh, over the last few years around online church yeah. circles, and uh, and it's it's been such a privilege to to be a part of Key Ministry over the last five years or so, um, and and I've learned so much from you and and, and the great need that exists in the church, uh, but you and I were talking last week, and that's where I felt this urgent need uh, to bring this to conversation with everyone because I think this affects. Uh, and, and we're specifically going to be talking about churches for the most part here, but I think this affects businesses. This affects uh, that what's what's happening here with the coronavirus. Uh, you know, I think we're talking a lot about the economy effects, uh, but there there are a lot more effects uh, here that, uh, that that we've got to be thinking about. So, Steve, you shared with me a stat, and maybe let's start with that last week about people in isolation and, and what's been proven around those studies. Well, as folks started talking about this a week, week and a half ago, I thought I'd do a little dive into the research literature in terms of figuring out, well, what do we know about people who have experienced um, quarantine before or the social isolation that's now being practiced across the country? And so there's not, not a ton of, there was some research looking at physicians and healthcare professionals in Toronto who had been quarantined for a period, I think on average 10 days, about 15 years ago when there was an outbreak of the SARS virus. And when they when they went and looked at when they went and looked at some of the data in the short term, they found that that the folks who were quarantined were significantly more likely to develop depression, um, were four times more likely to have symptoms of post-traumatic stress compared to their colleagues in the hospital who hadn't been quarantined. And one of the most fascinating things was that when they looked at them three years later, it actually turns out that they had almost a five-fold greater risk 
of experiencing symptoms of depression that long after the fact compared to, again, other, you know, comparable people in the hospital who didn't need to be quarantined. And that was looking at a 10-day period of time. I mean, you start looking at, you know, some of the situations where, you know, people, this may be going on for a number of weeks or the social isolation, perhaps for a couple of months in some places. We, you know, we're in like uncharted waters. And so there isn't a whole lot out there to tell us what the potential impacts of this are going to be. But, you know, looking at this with my psychiatrist hat on, it's not going to be good. Yeah. So Steve, as you, as you think about, I mean, so what, what, I, what I just heard and processed is that study is from a 10 day period. We're now likely looking at potentially a hundred day period. I mean, we, we really don't know how long this is going to go, uh, but we can take those stats and know that's pro- likely going to be the case. Um, if not even more significant impact long-term from this, uh, what would you say in, to church leaders how should they be responding right now to just help uh, in, in this situation? What, what should they be doing? Okay. Well, obviously, this is something that we're talking about on a regular basis. And if folks wanted to go to keyministry.org and take a look at our blog post today on the coming mental health epidemic that's going to follow sort of this initial wave of COVID-19 cases, we have a lot of different ideas there. But when I, when I think about some different ways that churches can be helpful, it does seem like when you, when you look at some of the research that's out there, it was the loss of social connection that was one of the contributing factors to the mental health issues that a lot of these folks experienced when they were under quarantine. And that when you look at you know, the research that's out there in the medical literature that shows that there are specific benefits in terms of physical health and mental health associated with being part of a church, it's the social network that goes along with being part of the church and, and, and being integrated into a community that seems to play the protective role. So that, you know, I thought it was wonderful yesterday to see, you know, our own church, you know, churches where, you know, teammates on our ministry, other friends of mine attend, you know, seeing how many places we're putting their worship services online. That's wonderful. What you need to do this week is that you have to think about how you're going to put the entire social infrastructure of your church online, meaning, you know, your Christian education for children and adults, uh, how you put your small groups online, how do you put your Bible studies online, and how do you use online resources to be able to help people to work together and identify opportunities to serve folks within the church and in the larger community. And that's where you have a tremendous amount of wisdom to be able to, you know, contribute to this discussion and show churches exactly how to do that. But I, I appreciate that compliment. I, I, um, it's, it, it's, you know, and I, and you and I have had these conversations for years of the opportunity that we see online. Uh, it, it, the reality though, too, in, in that I found, you know, I remember when we first moved to New York, I, I thought we're going to just be the family that does church online. And within two months, we were not even two months. We realized, no, we want to do church face to face that we have that craving and that need. So I, I think the reality is we, we have an understanding that this is not 
as good as face-to-face, but in this season, we've got to do the best we can. And what people don't just need, and what I just heard you say is just a a broadcast to them once a week. Uh, They need community happening as much as possible online. Am Am I hearing that right? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I don't remember whether it was you or Jay Cranda that talked about the notion that that online community is real community. And I think that for folks where this is like their first foray into doing things like Zoom, you know, they fail to appreciate how impactful it can potentially be. And we had a, you know, we had a wonderful woman like Sandra Peoples, who was on staff with our ministry for two years before she and I were ever physically together in the same place. Mm. And, and while, again, it's, it's, it's really important and folks find it to be, you know, very energizing and a blessing when you have the opportunity to get together in the physical presence of the people that you know online. Um, being able, you know, being able to interact through tools like the one that we're using today um, this morning I was um, doing, uh, we were doing an orientation for the staff in my practice because everything that we do is all online as of this morning. And, you know, I was dragging and kicking certain people from our group into the 21st century, you know, trying to teach them how to use Zoom and some of these other sorts of tools. But you could see that the further we got into the meeting, like the possibilities, you know, were kind of going off in folks' brains about how they could use this as a tool. That, you know, they might not think about organizing a therapy group, but they could pull together two or three kids that they're taking care of in similar issues, you know, and talk about some strategies and give them some ideas for supporting each other. So that I think that, you know, you kind of, you know, you have to do it to be able to get it. But um, but I think folks are going to find that the extent to which they can use technology to be able to stay connected will be very helpful over the next couple of months. You know, kids come about this naturally, you know, and, you know, the time that they're spending on Snapchat and Instagram and other apps combined with the online connections that they're going to have with their teachers and people from school. You know, I'm thinking that that our adults are going to have a much more difficult time coping with some of this stuff than the kids because the kids already have a significant social network online and a lot of adults aren't accustomed to communicating in this way. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good thought process um, to understand. My kids actually started Zoom this morning uh, for their, their classes. Both of my kids did my, actually my, my second grader tested it with their class yesterday Mm -hmm. and it was fun to see her light up as she was able to interact with her friends and teachers uh, after a week. I remember talking to my wife this morning and, and I was like, it's been, I can't believe it's been a week. And she said, it hasn't even been a full week because it feels like it's been a year, you know? So this, this quarantine isolation just feels like it goes on. I mean, it just feels like it's extended. Um, here's, here's my thought, Steve. Um, if, if I'm a church or I'm a business or a youth group, now you've got to have a little bit of admin, especially as you get into teenagers, but I would set up a dedicated Zoom line for your church and it's $14.99 is the full paid version. If you go to, go to uh, what is it, TechSoup, uh, you can get a, a half off version of, as a nonprofit, uh, but don't wait for that process. It's 15 bucks uh, for a month. And just leave that on. Let that be your church lobby all the time and have somebody in there where you literally just say, hey, if you want to hang out, 
with people from church, just get on our Zoom line. You know, uh, it's it, this is our Zoom link. And uh, you always have a place to go and be with other people. What, what, are, what are your thoughts on that idea? Oh, oh I think that's a fabulous idea. And, um, you know, there, there are lots of different places where this can be a benefit. So that, you know, you think about like the mental health epidemic that we already have, you know, and, and I'm anticipating that about two to three weeks after we see our peak in terms of folks getting admitted to the hospital corona, with coronavirus, we're going to see a peak of folks being admitted or coming into emergency rooms after overdoses or suicide attempts, you know, or contacting various crisis lines. And what folks need to understand is that the um, mental health system isn't remotely prepared to deal with any of this stuff. And so that one of the places where I think that the church is probably best positioned to be the church, especially for our adult population is that, you know, that, that, that there's a tremendous role for the church to be able to provide companionship and support through this. So that while they're buying the zoom line for their zoom room where people from the church can hang out, I encourage churches to think about, you know, having a zoom account for every counselor or pastor on person on your staff, who's doing counseling, maybe have like, you know, have a number of Zoom accounts if your church has a Stephen ministry for folks yeah. to be able to use that to stay connected with people. Um, you know, in churches, you know, again, where you have like, you know, I know churches that have grief groups, you know, there are churches that have other sorts of special interest groups, you know, so that, you know, you might be buying, you know, 10 or 20 or 50 Zoom accounts, depending upon the size of your church. But, but having that technology available to people is going to be critically important over the next month or two, you know, as we all struggle to get through this. So Zoom, as, as I'm thinking from a technology standpoint, is probably the most important technology uh, for the next couple of months for churches and really probably any organization, especially when it comes to mental health and engaging. What are some signs, Steve? that if somebody's maybe potentially dealing with or there's somebody in their church that might be dealing with PTSD or depression or, or those kind of signs maybe early uh, to even be thoughtful about and, and, and aware of. Yeah. So, so some of the things that you would be looking for that would suggest that, that folks need to be paying attention to this issue with depression would be um, significant physical changes over a period of weeks or a month or two changes in your sleep pattern changes in your eating habits or your weight, changes in your energy level, um, a loss of ability to concentrate or issues with focus and memory, you know, feeling sad or unhappy, you know, the majority of the time, the majority of days, losing interest in stuff that you usually enjoy, you know, so that like, if you know, folks, if you yourself are experiencing, you know, four or five of those signs, or you know, other people who are, it would be important to um, to reach out to, you know, to your, you know, primary care physician, um, you know, to reach out to a counselor at your church or other counselors that you know. And, you know, during this time, you know, it is important that people who have a need for help, you know, use the available technologies to seek it out. Like I got a message this morning from, you know, someone who works with a mental health board in a county 50 miles removed from us where they're developing an inventory of all of the, all of the 
mental health practices that have the capacity to see new people and initiate with the process online. You know, so again, I think that during this time, you know, and it, and it, and it's not just it's not just things like, for example, small groups, you know, and and Christian education. Um, you know, the ability, you know, you know, to be able to, you know, have somebody from the church who can, you know, you know, call, use email, text, chat with different folks, you know, who may be alone, you know, is something that would be very beneficial. You know, some enterprising church might collect up a bunch of iPads and have them delivered to one of these senior centers or nursing homes because those are the folks, because of their health risk, who are actually struggling most with, um, with, you know, with some of the social, you know, social distancing and the restrictions that many places have put on visitation, you know, so that, you know, so that having the ability to work with someone within those facilities who can help, you know, some of our seniors understand the technology and, and use that to maintain connectedness with their families and with people from their church, that will all be extraordinarily helpful in the weeks ahead. Yeah, that's so good. And I, and I think too, one of the just call outs that I need to understand because my mom has been trying to get on, uh, we, we using the Facebook portal. Um, and, and I, my, I'm apt to be impatient with people that are struggling with technology because I live in it every day. And so because they need it, be patient with them, help them slowly navigate and, and get up and going. Uh, but, but it is, there's nothing like that, you know, and, and Steve, we we're talking about this before, is this audio or is this video and audio? Uh, connecting with you via video is, you know, is so much more personal uh, than, than just audio. And so getting that FaceTime uh, is, is a really valuable tool. Yeah. You know, it's fascinating. I'll give you a specific example of this. So that, you know, on Tuesday mornings, like I get together with guys from a couple of different churches at our tennis club for a Bible study. And so last week I had volunteered, well, you know, if any of you guys are interested, we can use my Zoom room. And, you know, I'd offered it and like, no, 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 no. We're going to go ahead and like, we'll do a conference call. Yeah. Because you know, at eight your members of the group. Um, but, you know, so they went ahead and did that this past week. But Sunday I got a message from the two leaders saying, you know, that, you know, can we use Zoom? It wasn't the same talking on the phone as being yeah. able to, you know, to see everyone and, and interact with everyone in real time. And, and part of why I like the Zoom technology, again, we about half of my patients did their follow-up appointments through Zoom last week. No one had a problem. Yes. And, and there, you know, it was, it was very simple to use. And we didn't have to send out an announcement or do any coaching for folks, you know, how to use the technology you know, after going ahead and sending them their appointment link in an email. Yeah, that's so, so good. I, and that's, I mean, I think there's so many reasons I love Zoom as well, but it's the ease of use. And so there's some free platforms out there and people often want to try to just get by with that free platform right now. Uh, when it comes to mental health, spend the $15 <laughs> to help uh, engage in a more personal way. And Zoom is just the best in this space. Uh, it makes it so easy. I've got a couple of messages here that have come in. DJ Chuang shared, um, and DJ, this is a, a topic that's that's very uh, near and dear to his heart. Uh, but he says there's a new free solution, PrayerMeeting.com, and so I'm not aware of that tool. But if DJ recommends it, uh, I recommend it as well. Um, and 
Yep. And and then uh, James Poulter, one of my friends from London, uh, shared that that they've been donating old uh, spare devices to uh, senior adults in their congregation. I love that uh, and helping them and already having Zoom on there uh, would be such a great aspect and maybe even having YouTube app downloaded if you're giving them an iPad. And I would just say, you know, I my kids have used uh, those Amazon Kindle Fire tablets and my my grandmother uses that to video conference with my kids. That's a that's a forty dollar device. Uh, these these don't have to be expensive devices. My kids are also both using Chromebooks that are under a hundred dollars for their school with Zoom. Uh, so this technology doesn't have to be expensive uh, to be to be functional in this time. Steve, as as churches start thinking beyond coronavirus and what what's going to happen um you know before i jump into this question though james poulter just shared that facebook portal is on sale right now uh we bought those at christmas for all the grandparents uh my like my parents my um uh, mom and my dad and my um my in-laws and even the aunts and uncles and we are doing tv to tv um it is the easiest to use video conferencing platform uh that we've seen but it's it's kind of one-to-one uh, but with kids, especially, it is a fantastic tool. So I highly recommend those Facebook portal devices. And we got my mom because we knew she couldn't figure out how to connect it to her TV. We got her one of those ones that are on a stand uh, and, and she can use it. So if she can use it, you can use it. Um, but Steve, I, I want to get to, as we start thinking through beyond coronavirus and beyond isolation, and you saying that mental health industry isn't ready isn't going to be ready for the effects of this how how can churches try to be thinking ahead in this rather than being reactive after the fact so i think that you know you want to be able as we talked about before to have in place um the infrastructure for folks to be able to connect and communicate with one another you know thinking forward um there's you know there are some things that you know, again, I think the churches can be doing to prepare so that after we get off today, um, we've been part of a group that's been working with the Office of Faith-Based Partnerships for the federal government through Department of Health and Human Services to communicate various resources or to share resources you know, that the government has already developed with churches to help them do a better job of supporting families. One of the things I would keep an eye open for would be opportunities, for example, to train your staff online in mental health first aid, you know, so that we know that, you know, in large parts of the country, the first place people are going to turn to when they're in a crisis is to their church. And so there are a number of congregations that we've worked with where one of the things that was very important was training like the frontline staff. And I mean, in addition to like pastors and people who are on staff, like training the receptionist to answer, who, who's answering the phones, like the person who's sitting at like the front desk during the church, you know, and, and to provide them with the training to be able to respond appropriately when someone is kind who needs some support. There's a wonderful guy, um, a pastor, he's out in Las Vegas named Jermaine Alberti, who was one of the guys who actually developed the mental health first aid course. Mm. And he has come in and he's done some consulting with different churches that we've worked with where, again, that they were going through and training their frontline staff. You know, to the extent that you can, you know, train and prepare and support and resource people who are involved in Stephen's ministry to be able to do peer counseling. That would be helpful. 
I know that um, the large church in our community um, was involved in starting um, sort of a separate nonprofit um, biblical counseling practice, and they have all of their resources and are being able to serve people online. So being intentional at this time and reaching out to, um, you know, to, to folks out in the private community, you know, be they biblical or Christian counselors, be they you know, mental health professionals in your community, you know, that this is a great time to think about initiating some of those relationships so that when folks come in and you start seeing these needs emerge over the coming weeks, um, that there's a specific resource or that there are places that churches can turn to when folks have needs that exceed what typically the church would be able to support or address. Well, that's, uh, that's so good. I, I think, um, and, and I just want to encourage everybody to go and I'm going to put it, put it back here on the screen. Um, let's see here. Go to, go to key and get on the email list, get on, you know, the social media channels there. Uh, this is a time uh, to lean in and key ministry resources. And there's tons of stuff on, the site and resources available. Uh, but, but this is something churches need to start being ahead of. And, and what I'm hearing Steve is that they, it, it almost feels like two things that, uh, that, that churches need to uh, be, be intentional now and probably be ministering to people in a very tangible way around these topics. Now also be preparing their staff and their lead volunteers like Stephen ministry uh, leaders uh, around these specific issues. Uh, and then be prepared after the fact around, you know, every front door point of contact, um, how, how to engage uh, in a very intentional way. Uh, this is this is a complex issue. What? Well, Steve, go, go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, this is also sort of like the mother of all evangelism and outreach opportunities, okay. you know, for churches. And so like, like a couple of other things, like with, with more and more places putting content online in recent weeks, um, you know, Lifeway Research with Ed Stetzer had done a big study looking at um, mental health issues regarding church a, a couple of years ago. And one of the things that they found that families who were impacted by mental health concerns, what they most wanted from their church was for their pastors to talk about it from the pulpit on Sunday morning. You know, and so that, you know, during this time, you know, thinking about having a message, you know, maybe, you know, pertaining to things like, well, what does scripture teach us about coping with anxiety would be something that would be beneficial. You know, something as, you know, as simple as like during the pastoral prayer, you know, there was a, a, a church that we were at where, you know, the morning after we trained them, the pastor came out and started the service saying, like, you know, welcome to blah, blah, blah church. I'd like to start off today by praying for anybody here who's struggling with depression. Mm -hmm. um, there, if you want to look this up online on their Vimeo page, the uh, there's a place that we work with here in Cleveland area called Cuyahoga Valley Church that absolutely knocked this out of the park. And one of the things that they had created um, based upon you know data from the the Lifeway study that Stetzer did, that 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 more than half of the folks in the larger community who are unchurched believe that people um, with mental health conditions won't be welcome at church. One of the things that they did was a specific short video for their people to share on Facebook, specifically to invite 
folks that they knew in the community who were struggling with issues. And so the, the guy, you know, it started off like, I'm Rick Duncan, you know, I'm the founding pastor of Cuyahoga Valley Church, and I want to expressly welcome anyone whose family is struggling with mental health issues. Yeah. We know what this is like. My father was a pastor. He struggled with depression. You know, we're here to care for and support you. You know, and so that, you know, with with everybody putting this content online and with folks encouraging pe people to share, you know, one of the ways that churches can think about using this as an evangelism and outreach tool, you know, are incorporating some specific comments and statements and talking about themes that folks, while they're isolated, you know, can specifically think about, you know, people that they know, you know, from work, in their neighborhood, family members who may be more vulnerable to struggling with issues and can share through their different social media platforms that type of content that's being put together by churches. Yeah, that's, boy, that's so good. Uh, so so I think for pastors to be looking out for those resources that, that are out and just making you know, highlighting and, and finding those resources to share them with your congregation. You don't have to create everything. A lot of stuff is already out there for you to use, uh, but you've got to be intentional in this area. Uh, Steve, one of the things that, that I want to lean into uh, for you and, and, and kind of as we wrap up this conversation is pastors are, uh, are just as likely to get depression. Pastors are likely just as likely in the weight they feel right now is heavy. So I, I'd love for you to speak to pastor. Before you do that, though, I want to share... Um, one of one of the pastors here in New York City that's one of my favorite guys uh, is, is a pastor named John Tyson, and he he he's one of he's a great follower on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, but this is what he tweeted yesterday, and and I love this, and I think it speaks to the heart of a lot of pastors right now. He said, "I'm not going to tell you our service today will be awesome and unmissable, or best online service that you that will change your life. I was sick, and the sermon was just okay. In fact, I have found this online stuff." sad and hard. Preaching to a camera is not what I was made for. I'm going to take time today and mourn the loss of a way of life and ministry I deeply loved. Being with my people, daily prayer room, with kids running around, filled altars with tears and prayer, awkward side hugs in the lobby, greeting at the door. But mark my words, tomorrow I'll set my heart, lean into a new reality, embrace the opportunity, leverage technology, build the platforms, get a black belt and using Zoom for pastoral care, all the online things. I'll lead and love with all my might into the unknown. And I think that's a message that, boy, I think so many pastors are feeling. And I love, too, that he's like, look, I, I'm mourning this, yet I'm going to lean in uh, just as well. But, Steve, as you, I think pastors, though, are th this is a heavy time for them, and they're likely experiencing the same isolation. How can they be making sure they're taking care of themselves in this time? Well, the statistics I've seen suggest that at any given time, probably around 20% of pastors are wrestling with depression. But that's in addition, you know, that's yeah. not that's not an isolation time. No, I mean it's 10% of the general population, so that the rate is probably about double, like yeah. what, what you would see in the general population. And you think about all the additional again, like the stressors that they're under. You know, it's really weird, you know, speaking to an empty room. You yeah. know, you have the issue in a lot of places, like a lot of a lot of our smaller churches don't have technology available. They depend on the collection plate. The pastor depends upon the money in that collection plate, you know, to pay their rent, to feed his family, you know, to, to cover their health insurance. I mean, there are, there are some very big time stressors. 
And so I'll tell you a little bit about something that we're doing that I think would be a wonderful idea using technology for pastors to support one another. Um, we were, one of the things our organization does, we put on the largest disability ministry conference every year in the country, um, Inclusion Fusion Live. And we were scheduled to do that the last weekend in Cleveland. And because of these circumstances, needed to cancel. And you know, we had 73 speakers who were lined up to come. And one of the things that's really helpful, I think, to people about those types of events, you know, is the opportunity to be able to have time to interact with and talk with one another. So that one of the things that I'm planning to do tonight is to use my personal Zoom room and open it up for a couple of hours for any of like the people who are planning to speak at our conference. You know what? We want to hang out talk about ideas, you know, that, you know, you know, we may be busy, who knows who's going to be dropping in at any given point in time, you know, but it's a way of offering encouragement and support to one another. So that like, you know, if I'm a pastor, you know, I would think about like, you know, sending emails out to some guys who they knew from seminary, you know, or, you know, you know, other guys that they know, you know, who they've met with and worked together with, like in their own communities and say like, you know, maybe an hour a week, you know, or a couple of times a week, we hang out one time, we pray for one another, you know, we hang out, we share ideas, you know, by sharing, you know, by sharing the zoom link with other pastors, maybe guys from smaller churches, it's, you know, to your, you know, to your brothers in the ministry, um, this tool that you can then, that you can then use, and turn around and share with your own people to stay connected. So I think that there are ways that, you know, pastors can equip one another using technology and provide, you know, and make themselves available to provide this kind of like mutual encouragement and support during a very difficult time. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's those, your stats are, are eye opening uh, in this season. So we've got to all be intentional and I, I would encourage you, uh, if you're a pastor, if you're not a pastor watching this, uh, help your pastor right now. Uh, you, you, your pastor needs to be ministered to, um, and, uh, you know, the, for the congregation to be thoughtful and even the financial side. I mean, there's a lot of layers to this of, of the, the weight that they're feeling of needing to, needing to both provide for their family, uh, in this, un, these uncertain times, as well as minister to their congregation and community in, in, in a desperate time. And so that's a lot of weight uh, that, that a pastor is going um, going through right now. And so the more you can minister to your pastor, the better. Steve, as we wrap up this conversation, any final thoughts around mental health during during this time that you'd want to share? Yeah, a couple of things coming back to the, what we talked about before. Yeah, I think that peer support is going to be really essential. And I think that there's never been a better time for churches to think about starting up, you know, mental health specific, you know, faith-based support groups. And there are two outstanding organizations that we work with who have models for this. You know, one is Fresh Hope based out of Omaha, Nebraska, and really interesting organization. It was started by a guy, Brad Hafes, who was a pastor of the largest Missouri Synod Lutheran church in the country who lost his job after he had a mental health crisis and ended up in a psychiatric hospital. And so that, um, that they have developed a mental health support model based upon six specific biblical principles. There's another wonderful organization called Mental Health Grace Alliance out of Waco, Texas, 
that was started by um, Joe Padilla, who's a Baptist pastor whose family had struggled with mental health issues, um, and Matt Stanford, a guy, he used to be a tenured um, neuropsychology professor at Baylor who's now leading a place called the Hope and Healing Institute in Houston that's doing some wonderful things in terms of supporting the needs of churches in their area around mental health. But, but, but the Grace Alliance has um, several different types of groups that are time limited specifically to anywhere between 10 and 16 weeks. And so if you're looking for something in the short run, you know, to be able to support folks, that they have some wonderful resources. And both of their organizations have all of their training available um, online, you know, in video form for folks who may feel called at this time to lead those groups. So again, I think it's a fabulous time. I would, you know, check out either, you know, Fresh Hope or Mental Health Grace Alliance and definitely make use of some of the resources that they have available to churches that are looking to do group support. So good, Steve. Thanks um, so much for the wisdom insights. Uh, I, you know, I'd love to make this a regular thing. And and uh, as as we continue to navigate these days, um, and and share this with others. So if you uh, are watching this, and uh, I, I would encourage you to share this conversation. It's on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook. It's across the board uh, out there. Uh, share this with somebody that you feel like needs to hear it. Th these are important conversations to have, uh, and lean into. Uh, key ministry uh, during this time. And Steve, how can, how can, uh, other than the website, how can people connect with you? Um, Steve at keyministry.org would work. Um, they can follow me. It's on Twitter. It's DR as in Dr. Gersevich, G-R-C-E-V-I-C-H. Um, and we have, um, Key Ministry has two different Facebook platforms. You know, we have um, the Key Ministry platform is specifically for pastors, ministry leaders, church folk. Um, we have a platform called Not Alone, um, which is specifically for parents and family members of folks with disabilities. And we have all kinds of support resources that are specific, you know, on the one site for churches and on the other site for families. You know, so we'd be happy for folks to follow us there, too. Yeah, love that. Love that. So go look up those sites, connect on social media, email um, Steve, if you want to make that personal connection. Uh, Steve, thanks for being available and willing to share with us today. We'll, we'll see you guys uh, on the next live stream. Thanks, Nils.